Hi, my name is Evan Fraser, and I'm the director of the Errol Food Institute at the University of Guelph. You're listening to the Feeding 9 Billion podcast series, where we unpack issues about how to sustainably, equitably, and nutritiously feed the future. Sometimes trying to achieve food security isn't just about doing the same things better, but actually doing something new altogether. Novel foods is a term to capture some of these emerging creative strategies and technologies that are supposed to address food insecurity. Novel foods can include growing or marketing new foods that have little or no history of consumption in region, producing a food that we currently consume in new ways, such as lab-grown burger patties, or even designing new foods altogether like fortified eggs or milk. In this episode, Alex Glarehost and I focus on one type of novel food that might make your skin crawl, eating insects. Per pound, researchers have found that some species of insect have as much protein as livestock such as beef, but actually require less water, less land, and less feed to raise. Around the world, insects are regularly consumed, so why don't we do this here in Canada? In our first interview, Alex chats with Natalia Martinez, owner of Cookie Martinez, a Colombian street food business that specializes in everything from cricket empanadas to cricket kebabs. Alex and Natalia discuss how she got involved with cooking with insects and then talk about some of the opportunities and barriers for insect consumption here in Canada. Good morning, Natalia. Thanks for being on our podcast today. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. This podcast is about novel foods. That is, it's about new ways to produce food, things like lab-grown hamburger patties, new ways to design food, like fortified eggs or grains, and what we'll chat about today, growing or marketing new foods with little to no history of consumption in a region, like edible insects in Toronto. So I was wondering if you can tell me a bit more about your business. It's not a, uh, about the business. It is about a project that I started doing in 2013 with the um, Future Food Salon. The group includes education, there is food, which I'm the one who cooks with it, uh, with the insects. There is art, there is music, there is the person who is doing the all insect cultivation and harvest and everything. So it's, it's a little little pieces of the groups and there's speakers and people who know about the, the edible insects and entomologies. That sounds really interesting. And, you know, we talk about the future of food. Is it about making the food system more environmentally sustainable or economically sustainable or socially sustainable? Um, mostly a knowledge eating insects is more sustainable than eating any other meat. Is and that is the main focus on on about cooking with insects and educating people. It's been hard here in in North America because it's still like a novelty, no? Right. And not everyone do it. They're not used to it, and they think also that it's disgusting. Right. <laughs> yes, it's about sustainability. All of this is about sustainability. Thank you. Why did you start cooking with insects? So the group, uh, the person in charge, she approached to me and told me if I wanted to do some insect cookies. I used to make just a cookies for my business. And I said, okay, it was quite a, a challenge <laughs> and interesting and different. But since then, I, I started like not just cookies and I tried to do like and meals and like regular food that you eat that you just integrate it with insects and how easy it is and how anyone can do it. 
Now, you touched upon that disgust factor. Do you? What are most people's reactions to your food? I mean, obviously, it's it's delicious, but is there some kind of hesitation, some fear of creepy crawlies? So, not about fear, because the insect is already dead, so it's not going to bite you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> hesitation, yes. Mm. There's a lot of hesitation of like, ah, they don't want it. But most people who approach to me about the insect, they already know about it. They're interested. They buy the insects. They contact me, oh, if I have any insects available. And, but mostly they know about it. And they haven't done it. In one of their trips, they said, oh, I went to Mexico. I went to Thailand and I ate it. So we call insects a novel food. And just like you talked about, um, you know, people might have tried it in, in Thailand or, or, or somewhere else. Coming back to your, your background, I understand your business is, is Colombian. Is insect consumption in Colombia a common thing? So in Colombia, as far as I know, we eat something in certain region that is called big ants or hormigas colonas. But it's in the region of Colombia, it's not something that you eat every day. It is like a snack. You buy it and it is a snack, but in that region. But it is not something that you have in your diet every day or every once in a while. Do you think insect consumption will grow in places like Canada or the United States? I see it very slowly and extremely slowly that the culture of eating insects as a um, diet in United States and Canada, it will be like in the diet and everything. It's very slow, even though here they sell it already like at Loblaws and on supermarkets, say insects. Some people buy it. Yes, like sometimes they come to my store and buy some insects. But I think it is. it will take a huge amount of time, like, you go to other countries like in Asia and you find them in the market and big piles and then you just eat it as a street food and everything. So I don't think it's going to take, I think, many years and we, we can get to that point <laughs> eating them like that. It's a slow process. It still will be a novelty or something. Do you think it's important that insect consumption does grow in a place like Canada in the United States? Yes, especially I think in the States. It is a big country. There is a big consumption of other meat. And the sustainable part of eating meat, it is it is quite crazy. I mean, you have to grow food to feed the, the meat and then we're eating it. And it's a lot of things that have to go through and go even to other countries or even the Amazon grow the soy. I mean, even the water that is used. But like I said, that is going to take a long time to tell people, hey, you can eat, eat this instead. Now, for the average person, person like me, can I buy my own insects to cook with? And is it difficult to learn how to cook with them? Mm, no. Normally, if you go to the same... I think these places that sell the insects, normally they sell it as a powder or already roasted. Mm. Mm, so normally if it, people buy it as a powder, I've been seeing they use it uh, to do smoothies mm. because they have lots of protein. And if you have them as a whole roasted, you just put it into your food. 
So if it's already prepared and everything, it, it is very easy to integrate it with food. That's why when I cook with insects, I can show people, look, you can do it too. It's very easy. <laughs> that education piece is really important for you, right? Yes, it is. Just two final questions. Tell us about your biggest hits. What are some of the foods that you make that your customers can't resist? One of my favorite ones, and actually one of the uh, uh, the customers like most, is the cricket empanadas. Mm. So because it's they fry it and everything, everyone likes it. So it's like the same empanadas, the cornflower that you made in Colombia, I make with insects. But I'm on like some of their recipes i i do give them away oh, because this is for everyone that's great i'll have to try one sometime have you tried some insects yourself i've had i went to the exhibition a few years ago and i had a, a cricket hot dog that's the extent of my my taste into into insects but i want to get into it more because just like you say there's so many yeah it's it's something to even I don't know over there if there's a place where you can buy the insect powder and you can start doing your smoothies or shakes yeah. in the morning and add it there. Do you think insects sort of the protein of the future? Mm, yes. What I hope is we can change mm. our meat consumption, even though I know it's not going to change the whole, okay, I'm not going to eat meat ever in my life, just insects. I know that it's not going to change, but just to start adding it and have less of the meat and adding, uh, it could be half and half, so at least that could have a little bit less impact on the sustainability of meat production. I know it's not going to go forever. I know it's, people are not going to change the whole diet, but at least if they can do a little bit, and if you are those little bit from everyone, they can do a little, they can change, they can help. Alex, it's great to hear about insects on the menu happening so close to home, and it sounds like a big barrier for insect consumption is that disgust factor. It's also interesting to hear a firsthand account of this from someone who sells insect-based foods to people. Absolutely. I found it really interesting that most of Natalia's customers have already consumed insects and so might be a little more used to their flavor and texture. I think this really highlights one of the main critiques of insect eating as it's currently done in Canada and the US. In other words, many people think it's just a fad or a novelty for consumers and especially those consumers who may be able to afford it. Consider how people might be more or less willing to consume different insect products. For example, it's probably easier for people to accept eating a powdered cricket that they put into their morning smoothie rather than something that still actually looks like a cricket. So now we've heard a little bit from the consumer side, let's take a look at the production side of things. We had the chance to chat with someone from Entomo Farms in Norwood, Ontario about the potential for insect farming in Canada and North America. It was great to hear about some of the potential for insects as a protein source here, but also some of the challenges to making that a reality. Thanks again for taking the time to talk to me, Jared. Um, can you tell me a bit about Entomo Farms? How did it begin and when did it begin? In uh, 2013, my brothers who had been growing bugs, as they say, for bait for people to go fishing with or other different kinds of bugs. If people have um, hobbies and they, they have reptiles at home like bearded dragons or lizards, those reptiles need to eat. So my brothers used to grow those reptiles their food. And um, my background is in healthcare. I'm, I'm a chiropractor, and um, 
you know, certainly learned a lot about the relationship between what people eat and how healthy they feel. And um, around 2013, uh, some large government organizations, some names you may have heard of, like the United Nations or the Food and Agriculture Organization, they put a paper out. It's a technical term called a white paper. And um, they basically talked about how the insect can play such a great role in um, feeding the food we eat, so feeding our fish and feeding our cattle and feeding our chicken, as well as a wonderful food source for people. And we, we can get into why that's the case in a little bit. So we um, put our heads together and uh, we raised some money and we basically started what became North America's first human-grade edible insect farm. Wow, that's that's impressive. So it started from mainly an insect raising operation for pets, and then it moved towards this more human focused. Now, we, you talked a bit about some of the reasons why uh, you guys started it, but I was wondering if you could tease those out a bit more. So what are some of the social or maybe the environmental reasons why uh, you're growing insects for food? Yeah, so I think, you know, at first, the main reason that those big government organizations and others were talking about it was from a very environmental perspective. And um, really, you know, and in general, like we say in life, you know, there's nothing wrong with moderation. But unfortunately, the way in which meat is produced on an industrial level is that unfortunately, because I also love a good hamburger, is very unsustainable. So, you know, we're learning a lot about climate change and you know, scientists all over the world are, are talking about climate change. And unfortunately, one of the great com- contributors toward climate change is the, the, the meat industry, the, the cow and beef and, uh, you know, general meat industry on an industrial scale. You know, artisanal farmers, um, you know, raising some cattle that, that can be butchered locally is very important. You know, cows are called rudiments. We need animals like that, that, that eat grass and help grow our green lands. We need those green lands to trap carbon. So buffalo and bison and cows and all those kinds of animals, where, where they're from locally, they're really important to have. But the way it exists today is that we have to cut down a lot of rainforest to grow a lot of grain to feed all these cows that unfortunately can turn the grain into food that we eat very well. So they convert about one-tenth of the grains they eat into food we can eat. So we have to cut down a lot of forest to grow those grains, whereas crickets, for example, can actually convert almost all of that grain into food we eat. So if you feed a cow 10 kilograms of food, you only may get one kilogram of meat protein, whereas with the crickets, if you feed 10 kilograms of food, you'll get up to 10 kilograms of that uh, meat protein, if you will. So we would have to basically cut down, you know, 90% less forest for argument's sake. As an example, these numbers are not exact. They're, they're just uh, representative, but they're, they're close. You can see that it would be a much more efficient way of, of farming protein. Later, let's also talk about the fact that the crickets, for example, are not just protein. They're full of a lot of other kind of nutrients. Mm. But to finish the story is that once we started to actually learn about what we're in insects like crickets, it turns out that they're actually very, very, very healthy. And um, that is the part that's really, I think, driving 
um, people's interest is that, you know, if you sprinkle a bit of powder in your pancake or a muffin mix or something like that, you can really actually get a ton of health benefit from that as well. So if you care about your health and you care about the planet, then, and you love delicious food, then, then you know, insects are a, a great option for you. Absolutely. And you talked a bit about crickets. Are there any other common insects that are used for human consumption? Yeah, mealworms. I mean, there's thousands of species of insects that are fit for human consumption, and they're all offer different nutritional value and tastes and all kinds of different stuff. But the primary ones, and I kind of think of it when you think of sushi, that most people's introduction to sushi is the salmon roll and the tuna roll. Mm. So in, in entomophagy, which is the technical term for eating insects, the, I feel like the mealworm and the cricket is the, the metaphor or the uh, analogy to the salmon and the tuna. Great. Now, if you would be able to take us a bit through the process, so what do you feed the crickets? And going through the supply chain, um, where do you tend to sell these? So the crickets, basically what we do is we retrofit old chicken barns. So they're about 20,000 square feet. And um, we um, have kind of these condos, these cardboard structures that the crickets live in. And then there are feed trays on top with a watering tray. And it's basic grain diet for basic grains and some water. And they have ideal conditions for them to live in because we want them to thrive and grow and, and, you know, what's called maximizing the yield. And then most of them are harvested. Some are left to lay eggs. And then we incubate those eggs, grow those eggs, and start the cycle all over again. And where do you sell the products? So the, we are really a wholesaler. We do, uh, we're an ingredient wholesaler, if you will. So other people buy our products. There are guys making pet food with it, dog treats, bars, chips, crackers, protein powders. And um, for us, most excitingly, last year, Loblaws, under the President's Choice brand, um, President's Choice now sells our cricket powder, in uh, Loblaws and uh, quite a few shoppers, drug marts and other uh, super centers that Loblaws owns. Congratulations. That's, that's great. Thank you. Now, we talked a lot about the benefits of insect farming. Are there any challenges that you've come across in terms of things like energy or, or, or water usage problems in addition to maybe some consumer attitude barriers? Yeah, I mean, no, I think in any what's called, you know, animal husbandry or learning how to raise in, uh, an animal, whether it's a, a cow or a hog or a chicken or a cricket, trial and error is important, research and development. You know, those other industries have had decades and decades of research and mechanization and industrialization and perfection, and this is still pretty new. So the challenges are really just in perfecting the perfect recipe that allows you to go from the egg to the adult in the most efficient way. But the challenges around feed inputs or energy are not big at all because so little is required. Thank you. And just one last question, very broadly and a general question. Is insect farming a viable source of protein for the future, in your opinion? Well, not only is it viable, Alex, but according to the Food and Agriculture Organization, the United Nations, if we don't do it, then our food we eat is going to be extremely challenged. The planet is going to be extremely challenged. The environment is going to be extremely challenged. You know, I, I often say as background as a doctor is that we shouldn't ask doctors for their opinions. We should ask doctors for what the best evidence suggests we should do. We should really allow data, information, 
objective empirical information to drive decision-making when, when it's important, when it's not subject of love or other things like that. So, you know, the data, the objective, the scientists are saying that we need to do this. And the great irony is that it actually is of great benefit. And I would argue that if you're looking at food and your health and you want to live a long, healthy life, that you should consider insects in your diet because the science and the data is saying that as a food, as an ingredient, this is really, really, really healthy stuff. And it can be made to taste absolutely delicious. It's really no different than a shrimp or a lobster or something like that that most people are familiar with that they like. And that we can do better for ourselves, we can do better for our planet, and we can do better for each other by um, simply having more choice around the kind of protein that we can get. But like I said, it's not just about protein with insects. They're full of uh, very good fiber. They're very rich in iron and B12. They're very rich in antioxidants. So it's really a whole functional food. It's, it's not just protein. It's much, much more than that. Well, I think that's a fantastic spot to stop. Thank you so much for, again, Jared. I really appreciate it. The first insect farm for human consumption in North America? That's awesome. Great to hear also from Jared about some of the reasons why insects are being promoted by organizations such as the United Nations and the Food and Agricultural Organization. And also, it was fascinating to hear a little bit about how to raise crickets on a large scale. Absolutely. A lot of research is exploring what we talked about as insects' incredible feed conversion efficiency. That is, how much feed, in weight, it takes to raise the same amount of insect protein as, say, pig or cow protein. The research that I have read puts insects as twice as efficient as broiler chickens or pigs, and actually up to six times as efficient as cattle. What other variables do researchers consider when looking at the sustainability of a protein source, Alex? Well, some look at water and land use, which also places insects favorably next to other protein sources. Where insects seem to have more of a negative impact is in energy use, because it costs a lot of energy to transport the feed to raise them. I mean, after all, insects have to heat too, and also to raise them indoors. Think of the electricity it would take to heat a massive facility in winter. Another key thing to remember is that these values change based on the type of insect. For example, cricket or mealworm, their life stage as a larva, pupa, or beetle, and what the intended use is for the insect. Regarding this last point, it's really important. When we grow insects for human consumption, they need a specific standard of diet. For example, high-quality oats and fresh carrots and spinach, versus growing insects to consume human waste, which doesn't require a fresh, high-quality feed source at all. In other words, the higher the standard for raising insects, the higher the environmental impact. Super good points. A lot of hype around insects isn't just as a source of food, but also for fish and other livestock as well as a way of dealing with our own waste management. So thinking about these two interviews, it seems to me that we have actually two different opinions here. On one hand, Jared argues that insects aren't just a fad, but are required for a more sustainable food system. On the other hand, Natalia thinks insects will, well, probably be a bit of a part of future diets, but not a major bit. Yes, there's a lot to juggle. The scientific evidence around the need for us to consume things differently, and also to consume different things even, maybe, and our own individual desires and preferences, and budgets. Well, Alex, thanks very much. Uh, it sounds like insects are likely to be part of our dinner tables of the future, but we probably aren't going to see it anytime in the immediate future. Is, is that sort of where you're coming down at? Yes, I think that sounds about right. 
Thanks very much for listening. Once again, my name is Evan Fraser, and this is an initiative of the Feeding 9 Billion program hosted at the University of Guelph. I'm the director of the Errol Food Institute, and this is part of an ongoing series of educational material designed to educate consumers, the public, and students about how to create a healthier, safer, and more sustainable food system. 